This morning, we're going to be continuing our series in Exodus where we left off two weeks ago. And we left off with the redemption that God provided for his people. A wonderful passage, the Passover celebration and how God redeemed his people through the blood of the Lamb. And Pharaoh let the people go. But the battle isn't over just yet. As we continue in the book of Exodus, we see that Pharaoh wants his people back. And so the Israelites find themselves on the edge of a raging sea with no way of escape. And in that moment when there is no way of escape, the people of Israel come face to face with the presence and power of God as he leads them to safety. And you know, it's one thing to know these kinds of things in theory. And it's one thing for us to look back on that and say, yes, that happened. That really happened a long time ago. I want you to consider that here we have a real life example of God's wonder-working, powerful grace. Here we have a clear picture of how God, the grace of God, enables us to cross over from death to life, to cross over from lostness to safety and from doubt to praise. For the believer in Christ, this account of the Red Sea and what God did on that day means good news. It means good news that our God is with us as he was with Israel on that day. It means good news that our God is for us as he fought for Israel on that day. And it is the wonderful reminder that our God is worthy of praise just as he was praised on that day for the salvation that he brought. The God that was with His people and fought for his people at the Red Sea is the same God today. And so you and I can trust him. This is who he is towards all those who believe in him. All those who believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I want to say a word as well for those that maybe are doubting or unsure or perhaps just completely reject this God that we see in the Bible. For those of us, for those who are in that place of doubt and uncertainty, can I really believe this? Here's a real story about a real God who shows real grace to a people who are doubting. Israel in this story really isn't the model of this is who we want to be, right? There are other times where we see their faith and obedience really on display. But here, they're doubting. This is a real story about a real God who shows real grace to doubting people. 
And just as God provided a way for Israel to be saved on that day, he has done the same for you and I in Jesus Christ. And so I would urge you, if you're unsure, that you would not put off trusting him completely, that you would consider the message that we, that we hear in the word of God today, that you would consider him this morning. We're going to turn in our Bibles now, if you have them, to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13 and beginning in verse 17. And first we're going to be reminded that our God is with us. Our God is with his people. Exodus 13 verse 17 says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt arrayed for battle. Now Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. Now the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. We'll pause there. As you read this text, you really can't help but notice the presence of God with the people. He's the one who's leading his people, who's protecting them from the Philistines in verse 17, and who's taking them by another way through the wilderness to the Red Sea in verse 18. And going on in verses 21 to 22, we see the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud which by night looked like a pillar of fire it gave them light to see so that whatever time of day it was they could continue traveling they could continue leaving the land of Egypt and we notice two things especially about the presence of God first of all we see that it's himself it's he himself that was with them he didn't just send some sort of intermediary person. No, he came himself. The Lord went before them and he revealed himself in that pillar of cloud and of fire. God himself was right there with his people. That's number one. But we also see about the presence of God, we see that by day and by night, the pillar did not depart from his people. 
verse 22. So God was with them. His presence was with them. How, how many times, how much of the day was God with them? All the time, day and night, nonstop. He was right there always. That's where God was. And that's where he is with his people. Right there always. Guiding them. We see him guiding them. We see him leading them. We see him protecting them as well. It's a wonderful thing. An amazing thing to know that God is with us. So we see God is with the people of Israel, that God is present. God also has a plan for Israel, and he tells them where to go. See that in chapter 14. You flip over there to Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. God leads them along several different places, and he is, is guiding them. And he tells them, why he's going to do what he's going to do as well. Tells them that this is so that he will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. God is leading them by this way. He's protecting them. He's guiding them. Because he wants Egypt to know one more time who he is. He wants them to know one more time that he is Lord over all things. He's Lord over the greatest army in the world. He's even Lord over the chaos of the roaring sea. Once again, all the world is going to know that he is the creator God, that there is no one like him. This is a part of God's plan. He's going to show that he can save his people completely. That he will fight for his people. Now everything happens as God had said. In Exodus chapter 14 verses 5 through 9, we see that Pharaoh and the servants decide they're going to come after Israel. They want their slaves back. And because now they don't have any workforce to build their store cities, to work in their fields. So they want them back. And they go and they gather their army together and come after the people of Israel. And as Egyptian armies approach, Israel finds themselves with no way out. They're hemmed in on all sides. The text tells us that there were the mountains beside them. Their enemies were approaching from behind. And in front of them, they were on the shores of an impassable sea. And you know, in those days, the, the ancient people, when they thought of the sea, they didn't think of holidaying and picnics. To them, the sea was a very scary thing. It wasn't something you could control. It symbolized death and darkness and chaos. And here they are, 
On the one hand, there's chaos and darkness. And on the other hand, there are these enemies coming after them. Enemies they thought had been defeated. This doesn't look good. But God is still with his people. Okay? God is still with his people. And, and we've seen that he has a purpose. And one of his purposes is to protect his people. He put them on that path. Why? Because they weren't ready for the Philistines. But he has another way for them. God's protecting his people. And he's also gaining honor and glory. Over the armies of Israel. He's showing his power to save. He can save his people even from a raging sea. And a huge army. But you know what? Even though God is still with his people and he's been leading them, his presence is still with them, he's given them a plan and told them what is to come. I love this part of the story. And I don't love it because it's nice or flattering or funny, but because it's real to life. God's with his people. He's shown his power again and again and again through ten plagues. But you know what the people of God do? And on the banks of the Red Sea, they freak out. They really freak out, okay? The armies and the sea seem bigger than God. And they're afraid. So much like us in many ways. I want to read their response in full. It's just three verses. Exodus 14. We're following along here. In Exodus 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. They looked and they saw, behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. Wow. It's a little bit of angst and anger there. Why were they so upset? They were afraid. They were terrified. They could not see that God was there with them. That he was able to save them in that moment. They were so afraid. It's quite a contrast to when Moses first came to, to see Israel. They were pretty excited to hear that God was coming to save them. Exodus 4 verse 31 tells us they worshiped God. They believed God. But man, their faith was tossed up and down and around like the wind. One day they're up and the next day they're down again. And we've seen that already 
a little bit. Now we really see it. Now faced with no way out, they've forgotten the power and presence of their God. And they doubted God. They doubted God because their faith was not in God. In that moment, they were looking at what they could see around them. And they could see no hope. They were not looking to God, trusting in Him, but they were looking at their circumstances. I want you to listen to this. This is Moses' response. And he is, as a mediator for the people, one who stood between them and God. Moses is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate mediator, the God-man. Moses responds to the people in Exodus 14, verse 13. He said, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Moses says to these people who are scared, who are angry, who are doubting God. And he says, watch and see what God's going to do. Behold the salvation of the Lord. Stop striving. You have only to be silent. God will fight for you. Do you know on the banks of the Red Sea, all Israel could do was watch and see how God would provide salvation all the way through the Red Sea. Salvation was all the work of God. You know, Israel couldn't part the Red Sea, could they? Or take on the army. It was God. Israel couldn't keep the walls of water from drowning them as they walked through on dry land. That was God. Israel couldn't hold back Egypt's chariots from catching up to them as they dragged in the mud that the Lord had sent. Israel couldn't drown their enemies in the sea. That was God, and only God could do that. Salvation on that day and today is always the work of God, 100%. It's He who does it. The Lord fought for Israel when, when they really could not save themselves. And that is a picture of us completely. We really can't save ourselves. But God can. And he does in his grace. You know, sometimes I've wondered, as the people were walking through, or as they saw the waters parting and God making this way for them. I wonder what they thought. I wonder if they were really triumphant and excited, like, man, this is awesome. God is so good. He could just make a way like that. Or, or maybe I wonder if they were just looking over their shoulders going, I hope that doesn't fall down, you know. 
God, you better help right now because I can't, I'm not in control here. I really don't know what they thought. I think there's a variety of ways we might respond. But do you know one thing I know? Is that I know they weren't saved because they had great faith. I know that because we're told they doubted God. We're told even by the psalmist. And psalms of praise were written and psalms of lament, cries to God were written. Songs of instruction were also written on uh, events in the past of what God had done. And Psalm 106 is kind of a commentary that speaks to what happened at the Red Sea. And you know what the psalmist called the people's doubt? He called it what it really is. He said it was rebellion against God. It was not a commendation of Israel from the psalmist as he wrote about what happened. They had rebelled against God on the banks of the sea. And yet, God, we read this in Psalm 106, verse 8, God saved them. And he did it, we're told, for his sake. Did it because he loved them. In the midst of the people's doubt, God's grace abounded. He really didn't save them because they were such faithful people. Not in that moment. In that moment, they were doubting. And they'll go on to doubt and to be afraid again and again and again. But God saved them. Not because of their works, not because of great faith that they had. He saved them because of his love. He provided a way for them to be saved. He extends salvation even to doubting Israel. And calls them and he calls you and I to trust in his presence and power to save. To trust in the work that he would accomplish. And so we read in verse 15 that the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to go forward. God was going to make the way he was going to save them. And he says, go forward. Trust me. Walk in the way of my grace. I want to just talk about um, faith for a moment. Let me grab this chair here. You know, we show faith by trusting in someone or, or something. And really, we exercise an element of faith in so many of the things we do. There's so much we don't know, but we must trust people or trust things um, when we go about life. We see uh, faith even when, we, when I trust this chair. I, I lean on it, or when I sit on it, I'm expecting and trusting that it's going to hold me up. That's the way that faith is 
in terms of eternal things. We're trusting in God that he will hold us up, that he will save us, that he will continue to be with us, even when it may not seem like he's there. But you know, what if I sat down on a rickety old chair? Wouldn't hold me up. I could have faith in that chair and think, oh, it's going to hold me up. I, I wanted to bring an old rickety chair for you and so you could see it, but then I thought better of it. <laughs> but, you know, we, we recognize that it matters what chair we put our faith in. And it, it's very much the same way. It's very important in eternal matters what we trust in, who we trust in. And so God has shown again and again and again in his word that he is someone we can trust in. We can trust in his presence with his people. We can trust that he will fight for his people, that he will save us. Even when there's nothing that we could do to save ourselves. At the Red Sea, we're really learning, we're really seeing who God is that he's able to save us, that he's present with his people and that we can trust him. We can trust this God. So you know what? As we continue, we see God doing just that. He does the very things that he has said. He saves his people. I want to read the account to you because it is, it's a pretty amazing account of what God did on that day Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 to 31 says, Then God stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry land, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They recognized God was at work here. Let's just skip a verse to verse 27. As the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them was left. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus God saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant, Moses. Isn't that amazing? 
to reflect on what God did, how he saved his people with great power. How he did not abandon his people in their doubts, but he fought for them. And even Egypt is left acknowledging this is God. Everyone could see and the people of Israel believe God on that shore. As they saw what he did in their lives. I don't know how you view God. Who you think he is, whether you believe in this God that we've been learning about in Exodus, who proclaims that he's the one true God, Yahweh, a God who is all powerful and who's near to his people. No, I understand having doubts. I really do. It's. It's so easy to see the chaos that's around us as bigger than God. But it's just not true. It's easy to forget the grace of God, but his love is far deeper than ours. Maybe you even feel as though there's not really any hope for you. Maybe you've blown it. It's too many times I've doubted God for the hundredth time. I'm convinced because I, I know his love for me and I know the kind of sinful and imperfect man that I am that he's able to bring you out of any bondage. That he's able to save us from sin from the powers of evil that are at work in this world. He is able to do that. You can trust him as God who's with us, for us. And as, a, as we close, I want to draw your attention in closing to the reality that our God is worthy of praise. And we see this in the response of his people. In verse 31, they believed God, and then they sang his praises. So we have a whole chapter of their praises to God, a wonderful song, Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 to 21. I won't read it for you, but I would invite you to read that, perhaps around the, the lunch table, as you consider the praises that they sang about their God, and they sang about God as a deliverer, as a warrior. He, he, he was powerful. They sang about how he's completely unique. There's no one like him. He's the only one who's holy and the only one capable of doing such wonders. You know what I love about this song is it, it's based on historical happening. It's real. And the people saw it happen with their own eyes and they're responding to what God has done in our lives. This is the way that, that we are to praise God, to respond to the work that he's done in our lives, the work that we see around him and we give him praise.
praise. And this song is also a declaration of faith in God. As we see in the second half of the song, especially verses 12 to 19, that just as God has delivered, see, they're praising God for what he's done. But now they turn and and they're proclaiming that he's going to continue to go before his people and protect them. That's faith. That is turning to God and trusting in him, trusting in his power to save. So it's a fitting way to end, to trust God, to praise him. It's really the only the only right way to respond to a God who's been so good that he's always with his people. So powerful that he's able to deliver them. That he's able to deliver you and I. And so gracious he's willing to save us even when we're on the brink of despair. All the way our God is with us. All the way our God is for us. And all the way he's worthy of praise.